This is the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from GoBundance. The tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people who choose to live epic lives. Listen Tuesdays for featured guests and Fridays for GoBundance member spotlights. But listen always to hear how our guests have grabbed life big. Now, here's your host, Jamie Gruber. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. My guest today is incredible. Preston Smiles. If you haven't heard of him, you will today. He's a coach, a trainer, a speaker, an author, an influencer, uh, I mean, and everything else in between. So let's give it up for you, my brother. Preston, welcome. Thank you. I will add uh, sex pot, uh, yes. if we want to call it. I'm just playing. Um, dad, father, husband, serial entrepreneur, and dabbler so far in real estate. I'm getting there. Getting there. Oh. You you all are uh, really getting me, getting my juices flowing. Mike and <laughs> and uh, David, I talk to and see often because we live close and all yeah. the things. And so just hanging around all these real estate guys, I'm like, yeah, let me let me get some of that too. So I have a, an offer out on a house right now and looking at ranches and things of that nature. So good for you, man. You're one of these guys. Look, I follow you. I've had the privilege of connecting with you once or twice. You're just in this like zone. I, I don't know. Like, and it's not. I, I don't know. It, it's not like a right now thing, like, but you are fully, I see you as being fully in your element, in your gift, in what you are. Let's go back though. I want to go like where you're from. Just give us kind of the quick backstory of you. Yeah. And then we'll come up to that. Cause we were just talking a little bit about, you know, psilocybin and mushrooms and some of the stuff that, you know, so we're going to go into a bunch of stuff, but go back to the beginnings of you. Let's start there. So people have context. Yeah, for sure, man. What, what I'll say is uh, very early on, uh, I was, placed in special education and this is in in the mid 80s uh mid to early 80s where they didn't really care about kids like i, I don't think they do now either but they really didn't back then and you know this skinny little black kid who's not learning like everyone else uh they just made an assumption that i was uh you know not worthy of being in the class with all my friends and so uh a little backstory i teach and support people through leaning into their own trauma and their own shame and guilt. And I can look back at this story and go, wow, all of that was present for me on that walk from my class, which was upstairs in the main building, to the bungalow where the um, special needs children were. On that walk, they, they started to explain to me that this was going to be my new class and that um, I was going to have a new teacher and all of these things. And, you know, I'm eight. That moment, at some level broke me in half. I didn't cry because by that time I had already heard big boys don't cry, don't be a pussy, man up, et cetera, et cetera. I had heard that so much by the time I was seven, eight years old that I didn't feel there was space for me to feel. I just internalized it, suppressed it, pushed it down. And so couple that with very stressed out parents that were going through their own life and world um, I learned very quickly to have a bulletproof mindset. This is childhood. Nothing could rock me back then. Now, obviously, everything was rocking me, but I learned how to use it and push it in certain areas. Um, and uh, by the time I was 11, I joined a gang, started smoking weed, doing crazy stuff. And I had a moment when I was 15 where my father had told me, 
So many times, this is God rest his beautiful soul. So many times in childhood, he'd say, you're a leader. And if everybody else is going left, but something in you says go right, you'll go right. Because that's, that's the type of boy you are. And he used to pour into me. This dude, you know, for the drugs and all the other stuff and cheating and all that stuff, he had some serious um, inspirational and motivational skills. He spoke into me often. And I'm 15 years old and I used to do these things called runouts. Did you ever do this where you like no. go into a liquor store, grab as much alcohol as possible and then run out? No, never did, but it makes okay. sense. So yeah. we used to do those every day. And wow. uh, my buddy Rudy had this blue Astro van because he was uh, 16 and I was 15 and Scott was 16 and we were all best friends. So I was the youngest. And every day, the, the day before and the day before and the day before, we did stupid stuff, play basketball, break into things, stupid stuff. Well, this particular night, Scott called me and just something in me said, don't go. And my dad's voice popped in. If everybody else is going left, but you feel like you need to go right, you go right. Because that's the type of leader that you are. And so I said, oh, man, no, I'm a chill tonight. He's like, what? Don't be a little bitch. Come on, let's go. And I'm like, nah, man, I'm a chill. He's like, cool. That means I got shotgun. Because him and I used to fight over the front seat. Within an hour, every single person in that blue Astro van that I was in the night before that, the night before that, and the night before that, every single one of them was shot. And Scott was shot in the head and died because he was in the front seat. That, for me, was one of the biggest catalyst moments of my life. I've had like, let's call it three of them. That was one of the biggest ones because everything became real in that moment. I recognized that um, the sort of like Rambo Terminator 2 version of my childhood was actually a real thing and people can, there's real consequences. There are, people can die. That led me to moving out of California. I had to get away. So I left LA. My dad said, where do you want to go? I said, I don't care. He called his childhood sweetheart, Shirley Russell. He said, Shirley, my son is in trouble. Can he come live with you? She said, of course. This is before um, cell phones. This is before internet. So I got off of a plane and there was a sign with my name on it. And this is going to be the person I was going to live with. And I moved to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, particularly North Allegheny. Uh, I checked into North Allegheny High School, which at the time was one of the richest public schools. They had turf football fields and state-of-the-art everything. And I was the single only black male in the entire school. And first day of school, I'm walking through and I could just see everybody like looking through the windows like, oh shit, look at it. Look, look, look. I was like this cool alien that everybody wanted to be best friends with. And um, long story short, uh, there I joined another gang called Wexford Mafia. Um, and this kid, Brad, had a BMW and we would listen to Outkast and Tupac and, and, and drink and smoke weed and do all these things. I didn't smoke at that time, but I would drink with them and one day we were headed to a party and I'm in the back seat and Brad's seat. Did you used to do this, Jamie, where you drive and you'd put your seat basically all oh, the way down? Sure. Yeah. 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 That is, we're the same age. So yes. <laughs> yes. So this guy, his seat was basically on my penis. Right? He's like all the way leaning. I was, his seat was on my dick. Right. And yeah, so yeah. we're driving. I have a 40 in my hand. Yeah. I'm in this kid's BMW and we're headed to a party and it dawns on me that 
the kids at my former school were smoking weed, drinking, listening to Outkast, Tupac, and Biggie. All black, Mexican, Filipino school. The kids at North Allegheny High School were smoking weed, drinking, listening to Outkast, Tupac, and Biggie. The distinction and the difference was these kids were going to jail and these kids were going to Yale. And that moment for me, this is another catalyst moment, like, oh my God, we're all the same. We all want the same things. We're all being influenced by the same things, but there is a system. Now take in mind, I'm 15 and a half and I'm catching like giant concepts. There's a system in place that is set up where my friends at the other school cannot win. Like, or if they do, it's, it's by like luck. While there's a system in place for these kids who have the state of the art, everything and publicly funded, you know, the, the school has everything, right? Best teachers, best everything. And my the other school looked like a jail. And so for me, it was like, ah, okay, if you're going to win at this life, you got to learn how to play the game because there's a game being played. Long story short, uh, I went to college. I cheated my way through college all the way. I studied every single day. I was fucking on it and I still cheated because in my mind, I had to win, winning at all costs. I got into grad school. I made a decision that I wouldn't cheat, not one single day, not on nothing. I graduated with a 4.0 from Louisiana State University, moved to LA and my heart broke down. Now this is, this is the end of the story in the beginning. My heart broke down. I was standing in front of Abercrombie with my shirt off. I was one of those dudes high-fiving everybody and like greased up. <laughs> and my heart kept doing this weird thing. Where it would just go really fast, then extremely slow. And I was like, I told one of the people I was working with and they were like, you should probably see a doctor. I was like, oh man, I don't, I don't do doctors. But I kept going. So a week or two later, I went. That doctor said, you need to see a cardiologist right now. This is not regular. I was 25. I go to the cardiologist. He runs some tests, does all these things. I go home with a machine connected to my chest for a couple of days so they can figure out what it's doing. I come back. Long story short, he says two things that changed my life. Number one, he says, what, what's your diet like? And I was like, oh, food. He was like, tell me about food. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, I smoke weed. Uh, no, at the time, I, didn't, I wasn't smoking. Um, I said, beer, um, McDonald's, Popeye's. Um, I was like, when I do cook, I use this George Foreman grill. Did you have one of those? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh -oh. And I make, uh, you know, just chicken fillets, things, whatever I could find, the cheapest versions at the cheapest stores, all this stuff. But long story short, this dude says, that's not food. Mm. I'm like, bro, come on. It's on the commercials. It's food. Like, you can't tell me it's not food. There's commercials. Like my mom, my dad, everyone I know eats this way. Right, right. And he's like, that, that's not food. That's one. Two, he said, what are your stress levels like? I was like, what's a stress level? And he said, well, tell me about your life. I said, well, you know, since I was 13, I've been afraid that my dad was going to overdose on crack cocaine. So I became the man of the house. Um, my mom has been working in grocery stores and as an accountant and doing anything she possibly can to, to take care of me. And so um, that coupled with some abuse and other things, I've been making up the story that I need to make it and save everyone. And he was like, oh, young man, you're extremely stressed out. 
And so um, more than likely your heart is breaking down because your body cannot take the stress that you're putting on it. And that, I didn't want to die. I just didn't want to die. And he said, it's that serious. So uh, my girlfriend at the time gave me a book from her mom. Her mom said, I know you're dyslexic, but I got this book called Ask and It Is Given by Jerry and Esther Hicks. I think you'll like it. I took the book home. I was desperate. I read the first couple of pages that day. And it said, your thoughts become things and you create your own reality. And I was like, shut the fuck up. I dropped the book, actually. I dropped it on the ground. And I was like, I'm 25. I've never heard this in my life. What are you talking about? And of course, I picked it back up and went deep into that space. I think it was maybe a year later, the secret came out. Um, and all these things started to occur. And here's the end of the story. I began to fill my cup in such a way that there was so much overflow that all my friends, family, people who knew me from the acting world, the modeling world, all of them started coming to me and asking me for coaching. I did not know there was even a term called coaching. I never decided I want to be a life coach when I grow up. I want to be this. I was just a dude that was so full and so happy and so big and so bright. I cleansed myself. Lesson number one for anybody listening, elevation requires separation. I literally looked around my life and said, what needs to go? I need to separate from the conversations I'm having with my dad. I need to separate from some of the people that I've been hanging with. Not forever. I need to find new circles. I need to put myself in certain positions. I need to stop. I get to stop listening to the, the news, gossip, radio, things of that nature. I literally cut out all these things. I became an angry vegan. I denounced my religion. Bro, I went off the deep end. And some of it wasn't healthy and some of it was. But the point of it is I was so full that people were like, yo, what are you doing and how can I get some? And that has led to, you know, at this point, um, just one of my businesses in the last five months uh, did 2.2 million. And I have three others that are all doing really well, really, really well. And so it's interesting because I come from nothing. And, and yet uh, I come from a lot too. It's a, it's a paradox. There is. It is. And, you know, it's funny. I've heard you talk about this before. You know, what is nothing, right? As recently as a, a woman carrying sticks and uh, how people perceive that, right? Like all of that stuff. So on this coaching journey, I'm kind of curious, maybe just kind of fill in this blank for me as far as this goes. So, I mean, that journey is insane, what you went through. And there's this element of of meant to be. Your, your path was meant to be not being in the car that day when mm -hmm. your friends were shot, one was killed. Um, why you moved to Phil, uh, uh, Pittsburgh to Wexford, which I actually know where that is. Uh, all of that stuff, right? All of these elements kind of, they, they came together. So you're learning that you're a coach. When did you become intentional about being a coach? When, when did that happen? And what was the, what did you do to, to, to curate your skills? If you yep. don't mind me asking that. Yep, for sure. Uh, one of the things I teach people often is to go too far. Uh, I think that we be we we've heard, and I catch myself with my kids doing this as well. We heard, "Be careful!" a little too much. Be careful! <gasps> be careful! <gasps> oh my god! Be careful! That we stopped being dangerous. And for me, uh, during that time, as as the I started to recognize, like, oh, this is a thing, and maybe maybe this is a thing that I get to give to other people. Maybe I don't get to walk away from this. And there was a point where I said, okay, everybody's asking the same stuff because what's most personal is most universal. 
How about like, there's this new thing called YouTube. What if I create a YouTube channel called Questions with Preston? Because everybody keeps asking me these questions. And I just speak to them. And then when my friends and family come and they say they want X, Y, and Z, I say, go watch this video first. Then tell me if you have questions. Well, that turned into a network marketing company uh, catching it, one of those videos. Um, and at first, there was not that many. I'd get 100 views tops. I, it, sometimes it'd be 13 views, but it, that's 13 humans, right? And I start get these messages from Switzerland and Africa and different places like, thank you so much. Please keep going. Well, at some point, I recognized that I wanted to invest in uh, the creativity of that gift. So the main lesson everybody gets to, to pick up in this whole space is elevation requires separation. Making a decision. Right? So I'd made a decision that I was going to give back what I had just received. And then in that decision, I caught the programming, right? Because what, what's often taught is your thoughts lead to your feelings, feelings lead to actions, actions lead to results. What we don't add often is the programming. And so what the idea of man, the idea of young black man, the idea of X, Y, and Z, the good Christian boy, the, the, the nice guy, all of these ideas are programming. And one of the aspects of being human is we are socially and historically uh, born into beliefs and interpretations. So I started to look at the beliefs and interpretations I was born into. One is be careful. Oh, my whole life, I've been just being careful. Make sure, make sure. Well, what happens if I'm not? What happens if I, if I go like a little further than it feels comfortable? And so I started to make these videos breaking the fourth wall where it wasn't just this static camera looking at me. Uh, I met this other creative kid and I was like, yo, let's, let's do something. He was like, yeah, let's go to the beach. And I made this video called Analysis Paralysis, How to Think Less and Live More. And he was circling me and I was kicking water up in the air and I was just speaking from my heart, no script, just pure fire. What is here and how can I give it to other people? And uh, Isogenics oh, got sure. it. Yeah. And they started sending it everywhere. They started every like opportunity meeting they had, they would play it in front of it. And so thousands, all my videos went from like 100 views to like 50,000, like all of them. Or like, you know, that kind of thing. And I was like, what happened? One day I got a comment. Hey, we're having our big celebration. There's going to be 6,000 people. We would love you to headline it if you speak and you X, Y, and Z. So long story short, I said yes. They flew me to Australia. I was the keynote speaker. I absolutely murdered it. And it was confirmation that Martin Luther King said, you don't have to know, you just have to know the knower. And the knower could be called Jesus. It could be called Buddha. It could be called Allah. It could be called Krishna, the higher self, divine intelligence, whatever we want to call that thing. It's the part of us that is tapped into uh, our most power. And I started to catch that when I operate from the consciousness of how can I be a beacon, a light, a vessel for as many people as possible, creativity flowed, things aligned, 
people aligned. Everything was aligned with that conviction. And I sucked. I sucked until I didn't. And uh, while all that was happening, and this is just for anybody who may be in the beginnings of a real estate career or whatever you're in, while all that was happening, I was teaching surf lessons and implementing spiritual techniques and coaching into my surf lessons. I had a school called Smile Surf School and I, I needed money and I didn't want to have the energy of desperation when I was coaching people. I didn't, I didn't want to need their money. So I said, I'll go make my own over here. But I'll, while I'm making it over here, I'll implement the principles from here to there. And so I'll use coaching and spirituality to teach people how to connect to the ocean and how to beat the part of themselves that believes they cannot surf. And so I got better and better at coaching through surfing and teaching people surf lessons. In slash beginning of the story, there was a point when I recognized that the one place I wasn't looking was, was uh, business and money. Because I had a story that black kids can't be businessmen. Like little skinny kids that were born in Compton like me. Millionaire, what are you talking about? Your, your, your parents are blue collar. Everybody you know barely makes it. Like there's, I had to, I had to go into that program and, and rewire and unlearn. And so I decided to move back in with my mom. I decided that I was going to take a few steps back to take many steps forward. And I bet on me. I, I jumped past the egoic part of me that wanted to be, the, I was 33 at this time, by the way. So think about this. 25 is when the heart condition came up. I'm now 33, almost 10 years later. And it's and and I'm still basically broke, but I am full, right? I have a million dollar consciousness. It just hasn't matched my bank account yet. And so I I move in with my mom and I say, fuck it, I'm going all in. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at all the places that scare me. And that year I made a hundred thousand, hundred fifty. Next year, three hundred, next year six, next year one million, and have not stopped. And all of that is based on a lot of things, but I think the main one is when we amplify our love, we automatically amplify our lives. And I was so focused on love and service and humanity and people. I always love people, bro. I've been a leader since I was fucking born. Um, and I've always loved humans. Like I love us. I think we're awesome. I think we're interesting. And so that, I think Zig Ziglar said it, when you make room for your gifts, your gifts will make room for you. That's it. I am the living embodiment of that thing. I've made room for them and they have made room for me and others. I love that, man. I, look, I, you have so much going through my head right now. Like you're, you're a guy that I, 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 I love following. I've got a, a mini man crush and it's not because you have the things I don't like hair, uh, pigment, uh, height, all of that stuff. Right. I was born into this pasty, whatever <laughs> the hell this is, but it is what it is. Right. So, but what I, what I love about what I hear from you and where I struggle at sometimes is like you're on this journey. We're about the same age or you're 42. Mm -hmm. I think I'm 43. Mm -hmm. So we're about the same age. We're on this journey. You figured this out about 10 years ago. And there's this great book I've been reading breakthrough David nurse. I've talked about it a couple of times. It's just been an amazing book. And he talks about studying your heroes. Right. And I consider yep. you that for me, I study you and it's hard not to compare. It's hard mm -hmm. not to compare. Like 10 years ago, you figured this out and I'm just figuring this out now, left an executive career, all of that stuff. Right. 
But once I put that down, when I don't do that, I feel the flow. I feel like I'm placed where I need to be placed. I am where I need to be and all of that, which is your story. I, I mean, and this one part of your story, I, I, I don't know if we've ever talked about it, but that's really interesting to me in this regard is like, you know, you're going from L.A. to Pittsburgh. Somewhere in there is LSU. You're in Australia giving a speech, whatever. At some point, you're in New York. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is a catalyst moment for you as well, but I think this is your story. You're in New York and you meet a woman named, I think, Amelia at, yep. a, at a pivotal time in her life, which was unfortunately the end of her life. But yep. you're there randomly in this yep. moment when she probably needed you. But what did you what did you glean from that? What did that do for you? So this woman I, I, yes. hit by a car, I believe, right? So she was yes. she was hit as a pedestrian and she literally dies in your arms, yep. from, if I understand the story. Tell me about that for you. Like, what did that do? What did that mean? How did that unlock? Did it anything? What is the game changer? Game changer. That one, that one for sure catapulted like pure fire under my ass after that moment little bit of backstory. At that time, I was enrolled in uh, a program around embodiment and somatic, the somatic nervous system. Like, what does it mean to tap into the wisdom of the body? This is stuff I teach right now um, in my various programs. Um, but at the time, I was just fully in student mode. This is 2017. Maybe. You can look it up online while I'm talking. It, you, it, there's articles on it. Amelia yeah. Stir Rental. At the time, I'm in this class. Every month, I drive to Ojai, California, and I go deep with this master in this particular realm named Scott and Cody. 2015. And 2015. Look at that. Yeah, even that. Bro. Seven years ago. Wow. Um, so we had been working on just what it feels like in, in, to listen to the body, right? To get those intuitive hits, whether it's actually a thought or it's a... A, a, a sensation? What, what does it look like to really listen, to be tuned in as a man? Because going back to hunter and gatherer, the hunters had to be tuned, fine-tuned, listening, listening with all senses, right? listening with, with a soul. Right? What is occurring? Where is this animal? And what, does, what dance are we in? When we think about the San Bushman and all these different beautiful hunter and gatherer communities and cultures. It's next level. And all of that still exists inside each and every one of us. It's one of the reasons why we're doing Activate Your Alpha uh, very soon. And we'll talk about that at some point. Because sure, sure. uh, I think we have a, a skewed skewed idea about what it means to be alpha, right? It has less to do with your dick and your money and more to do with what we're talking about here. Um, so I had been in that course. It was a nine-month course. And we had been working on that the whole time. And I met up with a friend. And as soon as we sat down, my intuition said, get up and go. And I was like, what? Right? I'm having a conversation in my head. He's talking. Hey, Preston, how you been? X, Y, Z. Oh, man, I haven't seen you in so while. So good to see you in here in New York. What are you doing here? In my mind, I'm having a battle. Because my, I literally know that I'm supposed to get up and go. It's like, go. Go now. Go now. And I'm like, what? I just sat down. What the fuck are you talking about? Right? Um, and so I listened. And I say, bro, I hate to cut this short, but something's, I got to go across town. I got to get some boots from Barney's or whatever it was. Um, Neiman Marcus, Barney's, one of those. <clears throat> yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah. Well, there's this one and there's this one. And I was like, uh, I think it's this one. 
And so I rush to the train. I go down the little steps and it says, as I see it, I see the, the one I'm supposed to be on going past. So I'm like, ooh, missed it. But I trust. Right? I didn't know. I knew, but I didn't know. I get on the next one, maybe 10, 15 minutes later. I get off. I get lost. Right? The Barneys I'm looking for is this direction. I go in the wrong direction. At some point, same thing. Trust. Right? Surrender. There's always something moving ahead of us. Yeah. I thought about 9-11 and how many people missed their flights, how many people missed their cabs. I thought about the people who called in sick from the World Trade Center that day on that floor. Right? And it's calm. It's, it's already taken care of. So I find it. I walk in. I go to the maybe second or third floor. Uh, I find the boots. I'm looking around and something says, go downstairs right now. And I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. I literally just got here. I just walked in. He's like, go downstairs right now. I'm like, okay. I go downstairs. I walk out the doors. As soon as I turn left, I hear a skirt. No. Boom. I look to my right because I just went out left. I look to my right and there's a woman flying through the air. She lands on her head. Her brains splatter out the back. And I instantly, when I say instantly, no thought knew why I was there. I went straight to her. No thought. It was like, there it is. Everybody, this is Mother's Day. Day before Mother's Day. Everybody's on the streets. Everybody's turning their heads. They're, oh my God. Because you could see her pearls. I'll never forget her pearls. She had white pearls on and a blue sweater. And the pearls were rolling down the street. Right? You ever have something go slow motion on you? Yeah, You're just like, yeah. what the fuck? I, I was like in a superhero mode. Like slow motion, but fast. I could see all the faces. Everybody like, oh, oh my God. Turning away. At that exact moment, a doctor and a nurse on different parts of the street. So all of us were there at the same time. Doctor comes running, nurse comes running, I come running. It's just three of us. They go straight to her wrist. Ma'am, 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 are you there? They touch her wrist. As soon as they touch their wrist, blood comes out of her mouth. Right Now I'm watching this whole thing. And I'm like, whoa. But why are you here, P? I was like, you're here for the spiritual part. So let's go. So I go down to her feet and I just hold her feet and I close my eyes. There's chaos around me and I close my eyes and I just tap it. I start breathing with her, tapping in. And at some point we like lock in and I say, hey, I'm here. This is all with the mind. If it's time to go, I'm here. If it's time to stay, I'm here. But you're not alone. And we're just breathing breathing, breathing. And there's a moment, I don't know how many minutes went by, but the ambulance had taped. There was enough time where there was tape around me. So nobody was on that street except for us. And they were, the paramedics were pulling up. I think the police had taped it up. There's a moment as they were getting ready to do whatever they were going to do with her. I had let go of her feet, but I was still right there at her on my knees in the middle of a New York street. There's a moment where somebody said, open your eyes. This is it. I opened my eyes. I looked at her. And she went. That was it. Wow. That was it. So what did that moment do to slash for me? 
One, it gave me PTSD. Scared the shit out of me. Every time I saw a car for fucking years, um, I'd look across the street like 12 times when everybody else just looks once, twice, 12. Um, what did it do for me? It reminded me that we are not our bodies, that there is more to us than these skin suits. What did it do for me? It lit a fire under my ass to uh, leave when it's time for me to leave uh, with no gas left in my tank, to have given everything I possibly have and to have inspired and ignited something within anybody who ever, I mean, if I'm taking a piss at a fucking club in a bathroom, anybody who comes in contact with me, my job is to transfer, to give them a reminder of how beautiful, how powerful, and how amazing they truly are. And so that thing just was like pure lighter fluid. There, it, it took the part out of me that thought I could fail. I think that men especially, we've been taught so much. You've got to win, you got to win, and you don't want to fail, so you avoid pain, you avoid this, you avoid that. And that moment just gave me the like, let's go juice. Like there is no failure. As long as there's breath in this body I, and I can get back up, I can't fail. Things can um, have an expiration date. But if, the, if I'm still here and I have a confirmation number called my heart still beating, you can't stop me. And not just me. Right? I teach my students all the time. For me, there's only one power, not two. Gandhi used the power and Hitler used the power. Jamie uses the power and Preston uses the power. Jesus used the power. The question is, how willing are we to own it? How willing are we to tap in daily four levels of consciousness to me, by me, through me, as me? I jump to number three every day. How can I be used in such a way that, that someone remembers? How can I be used in such a way that someone says, I needed that? Thank you, right? And because life is so interesting and cyclical, I open myself up to receiving because I know it's none of it. I don't, it doesn't belong to me. None of this stuff is ours. We're renting it, right? So I'm a yes to money because I know what I'm a yes to as well, which is service. So the more money flowing my way, the more I can serve. Let's go. What's blocking people? That's an interesting point that you just made on both ends. You can apply a lot of effort, but if you're not open to the reception of what comes back to you, if you're not open to receiving, it's like a, it's like an electrical circuit, right? Like it, the circuit closes down on the back end. Yeah. You have to have a positive uh, yes. uh, application and a negative reception, right? Meaning like open reception. What prevents people from allowing themselves to be in their gift, to, to be, to be used, like you said, and then even when they get there, like, I struggle with this, man. Like I, I feel like I've moved closer and closer to that. Like, yeah, Hey, the best version of me is in service. But then when somebody uh, wants to, when, when there's reception, when I have to receive something from somebody, it's apologetic, it's aw shucks, it's no, yes. you know, I'm not worthy. You've coached a lot of people and you've mm -hmm. coached a lot of people at high levels that even though their outward success may appear uh, that they are, that they're in tune with this, they're not. And, and I'm one of those people to some extent. I've had a, a, a significant career. I made a lot of money doing that, but yep. I wasn't complete. I was actually yep. the opposite. I was, my center was here somewhere around six years old. I got knocked slightly off center and I just did this right over yep. the course of life. And now I'm trying to bring myself back to that. What holds people in your estimation and your coaching? And I know everyone's different, but just generally, what are some themes that you see that keeps people from 
from living into this gift of service and then receiving what comes from that. Yeah. So seven abundance activators. Uh, number one is giving out, right? So that's like giving birth, time, talent, treasures, right? Uh, number two is giving away. That's, that's like the physical stuff, clearing space, making sure that um, what's in your closet, what's in your internal closet, we'll get to that one, but what's physically in your space still represents where you're going and what you would like to experience in life. You know, sometimes we have pieces and things that represent a, a season that that season has come and gone, but we're still holding on to it, which means the energetics, there's not enough space. Mm -hmm. um, now I'm going to pull out just for a moment. And stop at number two and say that the fruit does not belong to the tree. The fruit belongs to the ecosystem. If the tree tries to hold on to the fruit, it stagnates, decays, and dies. But the, when, when the fruit is let go of and given to the ecosystem, the tree goes through a process where it bears more and more and more. And that's us, right? The, the, the blood does not belong to the vein. Everything needs an inlet and an outlet. Otherwise, it becomes a swamp. And so our job is to not hold on to things, it's to let things go. So uh, number one, give out. Number two, give away. Number three, give up. This is, this is like the inner stuff. This is where we, we start to let go of the conversations about your hair or your dick size or what you do and don't have. We just let go. We let go. And one of the ways to let go is to have, get get a coach, get somebody who can hold you, get somebody who can push you. You're you're. I, have, um, I never take more than five clients. Um, right now, I have three that all make millions and millions and millions. Finance guys, fucking uh, huge women in certain industries and things like. That. They're all broke as fuck. They have money, but they're broke, and that's why that's why I'm here. Right, because we do this together. They've tapped into a piece of abundance, but not the fullness. Right, and and that's what we're here for. I have coaches. I have therapists. I have a fucking team around me. I have a secret mastermind with John Wine and, and Adrian Grenier and all these Brian Reese. All those people are in my mastermind. They coach me. They hold me. I hold them. So I'm not saying this from a high horse. Anybody listening, I the same thing I do for others. I get done for me. Number four is giving in. And this is when we start to surrender and be in the through me space, the through me consciousness. This is where we say, hey, spirit, God, Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, Allah, divine intelligence. What would you have me do? What would you have me say? Right? Sometimes we hold on to shit because we're used to it and it becomes a prison. But there's something else trying to be birthed. There's something else trying to come forward. And when we surrender surrender to that thing, to that voice. It's like me and Amelia Stir Rental. That was, I surrendered. My ego, my personality wanted to stay and have coffee with my friend. But I surrendered to a higher calling, a higher conversation. And what came out of that is a lot. Um, number five is giving thanks. It's clear that gratitude wins the day. The question is, is can you get out of the mundane gratitude, right? People write, no, I did my gratitude journal. Fuck your journal. Were you moved? Were you moved to tears? There's a different kind of gratitude. I'm not talking about linear masculine gratitude. I'm talking about moved. 
Number six is uh, giving to the self. And uh, that's clear. Uh, I think a lot of men especially uh, spend a lot of time grinding and hustling, climbing to the top, right? In that time, they miss their kids, miss them fucking completely. Whole years, gaps out of their kids' life. They miss their wives and girlfriends and it's too late, right? They realize in hindsight, so you got to give to ourselves and so, so that we can be full and give to our friends and family. And how we do that is scheduling, taking time for you. What makes your heart smile? You worked all that time, got all that money for the dream. Oh, I want to be a provider. Well, what else is providing? What does that mean? Does it mean just money or does it mean energy? Does it mean time? Does it mean eyes? Does it mean hearts? How do you provide? I fuck, bro, Mike McCarthy, and David uh, and how how used to have it, but um, they own that boat. You know how many times Mike and I go wake surfing during times where I'm in the middle of a lot? It makes my wife mad, but I'm like, yo, I'm a better husband when I give to my... If I go wake surfing with them, good to go. The, the workouts, Empowered Brotherhood has a Thursday workout in Austin every Thursday. We have Fight Club every Friday. I do all of those things because when my cup is full, daddy is more present. Daddy is more powerful. Daddy is more in his sex, in his power, in his thump, in his directedness. Number seven is forgiving. This one is huge. It could have been at the top of the list. Because a lot of times we don't realize that we, we hold resentment. And resentment, you know, we know in science at this point that everything is energy. Um, and so... Uh, the energy of resentment, the energy of blame, the energy of all of it's connected, lack, limitation, blame, scarcity, shame, all of that is connected, right? If I'm blaming Trump or I'm blaming Biden or I'm blaming my dad or my cousin or this person or the person that uh, sexually abused me when I was seven, nine, 10, 13, if I'm blaming myself for what I did to that girl when I was drunk in college, when I was 18, I knew she drank too much and I X, Y, and Z, bro, I've been I've been in the depths with people and myself, right? If I'm blaming because I got uh, an STD or an STI or X, Y, and Z, all of that, this is the type of stuff I hope and hold people in. And I know, I know, I'm not guessing. I know that this is one of the biggest blocks. We talk about inlets and outlets. There's no outlet if you're still blaming yourself. There's no, it doesn't come out. It stays in. And when it stays in, it, it shoots out in unhealthy ways on the freeway when somebody cuts you off. At your kids when you, sh- like, yeah, they did something stupid. But you, that snap was way bigger than what, what that deserved, right? It comes out in the porn addiction. It comes out in the prostitutes you get when you're out of town. It comes out. Hear me. From one man to another, I get it. I'm right there with you. And I'm reminding you that there's some people that's on your list that you get to forgive, right? And every one of those lists that you, and forgiveness is a process. It's not a one-time thing. And I hate and love you as a guest. <laughs> I, I love you because of all you pour in, but I hate that you only gave me this time because I, I could go another three freaking hours on this stuff. I mean, you've got, I've got a million, uh, here's, where, here's where we'll go with it because mm-hmm. I want to be respectful of your time and I know we're, we're tapping up against it right now. Um, masculinity. Wow, mm-hmm. God, there's so many ways I can go with this. All right. Masculinity. 
Mm-hmm. What what fascinates me, and I just may be, have to say this, and I don't know if there's anything you do with it, but what fascinates me about you, if I if you're following your feed, right, you're 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 shirtless, you're boxing, you're with these guys, the Empowered Brotherhood, which we're going to talk about the event you have coming up in May, mm-hmm. all of that stuff, right? Like it's it's pure like testosterone, ah, right, like that Jocko Willink go go type of thing, sweat on the floor photos, right, all of that stuff. When I left my job, I, I, I went very broad. And one of the things I did and then didn't do was your your Kaboom coaching program. And what was interesting to me is you're this you've got this alpha presence, right? A lot of women, though, a lot of women in that like you're while you've mm-hmm. got this masculine energy, you've got a lot of women in there. Mm-hmm. I don't even know where I'm going with this other than to say this whole concept of masculinity for you. Right. And what you're doing and what you're going through. There's the whole Will Smith slap thing. Mm. Uh, what is that from being an alpha? Like, how do you? Yep. Talk to me about let's just bottle it up with this again. And you 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 do what you want with this. Talk to me about what masculinity is and how and how you how you have decided to lean fully into that and how that relates to the empowered brotherhood. I think that's the best way I can honor your time and bring the 18 questions I want to ask you into one and let you roll because that's what you're good at. Yeah, man. Uh, it's it's tricky. This is a really big one. And I'll say all of us are born with equal parts masculine and feminine, right? It's a, a scale. Some of us have essences that are leaned more into what we, we would call traditional masculine. And yeah. some of us have essence that are leaned more into what we would call traditional feminine. Uh, but the truth of the, of the matter is, is that we're we're a lot more alike than we are separate the distinction and the difference in what you're seeing in me is I know how to dance. I know how to dance. And what I mean by that is whatever song is playing, I can tune myself to what is necessary for that song. So sometimes people, women see me and they go, oh my God, he's like, he's like, he understands and he's like X and he's like Y, but then he's like this. And men see me and they're like, yo, how is this dude so free? What the fuck is that? Why is he so colorful? But like at the same time, he like, I feel like he'd shoot me or beat me up. Like there's a, it's cause I'm tapping, I'm moving between king, warrior, lover, mystic. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm moving through the archetypes like in an hour, like in four minutes sometimes. And depending on what's necessary, I will bring that part of me forward. I will amplify that aspect of me. Um, for that scenario. And I think a lot of men do not have that available. It's harder for them. They become one trick ponies. They, they're, they're in their warrior, but it's fucking um, shadow warrior, right? They're in their lover, but it's, it's shadow lover. So it's just porn and dick and X, Y, and Z. And it's, it's different. It doesn't have that feel to it. And so I've learned to cultivate the healthiest versions of all of those archetypes and then teach other men how to do it for themselves. The name of the game when I'm talking or, or teaching is be a weapon, bro. Be a weapon. Like a, a, a Swiss, what is it? A Swiss army knife? Um, yeah. what, what's needed? What's necessary for this moment, right? Be able to pull out whatever you need. And most guys just don't have that in them, which is why we created Empowered Brotherhood. Um, we have a 12, uh, 12 month journey. That's absolutely beautiful. And we made it extremely affordable, even though each of us Stefanos charges like $60,000 to coach with him. Same for me, right? Like Garen Jones uh, has, you know, created a multi, multi, multi million dollar business around him. All of us have, you know, 
a lot of immense value, but we've created this brotherhood that's easy to get to because we believe that there's value for the man who's making a hundred million and the man who's making, you know, a hundred dollars. Um, and we want all of them to be able to jump into the pool together and learn from each other and grow together. So that's what Empowered Brotherhood is. That's how we view masculinity. And this event that we have coming up, Activate Your Alpha, is uh, the best way I could put it would be like if Spartan Race Navy SEALs training met mushrooms, right? Like what does it look like to be to to have personal development and transformation locked in with army special ops and we got some guys uh who have been doing this for years and years and years um and then self-included right i'm a beast in workshops like that's that's my forte i can do all these other things really well but put me in a room with other people and i'm a monster and so between all of us we're 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 going to take it to another level and uh help men find out what they're made of right tap into your inner david goggins and see see what's there yeah yeah that's a that's a hell of an inner thing if it exists in any of us david goggins <laughs> would be amazing so wow man I, again I, you know I, I feel i feel like i could go i could go a lot longer on stuff but i want to be respectful of you and your time here this has been amazing thanks so much for pouring into me i mean i it's felt like a personal coaching session per, you know for me but um where can people learn more about uh uh the empowered brotherhood what was it called unlock your alpha unleash your alpha Activate your alpha. Activate all of it can, alpha. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> all of it can be found at empoweredbrotherhood.com. We'll also I'll send you uh, a couple links for the event that will be in the show notes. Perfect. Absolutely. And yeah, for those that aren't in the show notes, it's the letter M Powered Brotherhood, not E M, yes. but M Powered Brotherhood. Exactly. Yes. You said it right. <laughs> My bad. Empowered <laughs> Brotherhood. We yes. got it. Preston, man, right. I, thank you so much for for every bit of this. I appreciate you. And uh, yeah, I look forward to, to watching and growing with you. For sure, bro. Love you, man. Love you. Well, that's it for this episode. But be sure you subscribe for future episodes. Give us a rating and review as well. It just helps us grow the podcast, grow the reach, and give as much value as we can to you on a week-to-week basis. Be sure to go over and check out GoBundance.com while you're at it. Check out Emerge if you're a future millionaire, our elite division if you're in that $1 to $5 million range, or our champion division at $5 million plus. Or on the women's side, GoBundance Women is available for all of you to join an amazing group of millionaire entrepreneurial women. And if you haven't already, jump on tribeofmillionaires.com and order the book that is the namesake of this podcast. And you'll learn all about what this whole GoBundance thing is, what masterminds are about, and the power of community, accountability, connection, and all of that as you pursue your goals. Thanks for listening again. We'll talk to you soon.